You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We all have those awkward, horrible family get-togethers, Thanksgivings, Christmas, New Year's, where there's some some jerk in the family's always causing problems or, or talking politics at the Thanksgiving table. Well, here on the Wicked South podcast, we're going to talk about a Thanksgiving celebration that went horribly wrong in the low country of South Carolina that ended with a gun battle between an uncle and his nephew and one family funeral. Voice here there is of Michael DeWitt, writer for the USA Today Network of Newspapers, an author, a journalist, a storyteller. He has the book, The Wicked Hampton County, and very soon, The Fall of the House of Murdoch. I'm Matt Harris, Seton Tucker, sitting crisscross applesauce across from me. We also do the Impact of Influence podcast. You can find out more about the cases that we talk about in the Wicked South by going to Facebook and the Wicked South podcast. To say it was an awkward Thanksgiving is an understatement. Very tragic is what it was. And we will get to that story in a moment. But Michael, how about I give a shout to our sponsors? Absolutely. We have Dr. Kenny Kinsey and Associates, a friend of the podcast and a proud sponsor. We have Palmetto Pride Distillery up in Anderson, South Carolina. They, uh, we had Trey Boggs on the show last week and uh, got a lot of good stories coming from that family tradition. And we have Rotten Little Bastard Distillery here in the low country, Beaufort, South Carolina. They, uh, Got some good news to share from them. They've recently started selling smaller bottles for people like me who can't be trusted with a big bottle. You can now (laughs) buy uh, a pint of their wonderful moonshine and other products. So we've got some great sponsors. Proud to have them. And please uh, support the sponsors. Couldn't be doing this without them. And uh, if you want to hit the donate button at the bottom of the old Apple podcast, wherever you get yours, that'd be cool too. So Seton, kick it off here. We're going back to 2010, and a woman, Tracy Petrowski, and her husband, James, were traveling from Florida to spend Thanksgiving with seven family members at the home of Richard and Caroline Santee in Bray's Island Plantation. This is a pretty swanky place. Michael, tell us about it. Well, you've probably heard of these gated communities where maybe uh, golf is the central attraction. Um, you've got some really nice, beautiful places here in, in near Bluffton and Hilton Head. 
Well, this is a, a premium destination. If you love the outdoors, uh, Braze Plantation is located in Beaufort County, and it's 5,000 acres of, uh, according to their website, pristine land cradled by the headwaters of Port Royal Sound with direct access to the Atlantic Ocean. So basically, if you love the outdoors, if you want, you know, quail hunting, catching redfish or trout in the saltwater flats, this is the place uh, for you. It's a, a wide variety of outdoor sporting and recreational activities and a peaceful coastal environment. But uh, Seton, I want to warn you, if you want to buy a house there, that, um, they have homes that list for like $3.9 million, So you might want to save your um, your podcast money up. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I've seen pictures and I've heard they actually have it in there that I thought that would be a cool place to go and stay. Um, I haven't personally been there, but I've heard it's beautiful. And so that's where the... The crime we're going to talk about, or at least the, I don't know if there's a crime necessarily. We'll find out more about that. But there certainly was a fatal shooting. So when does it begin, Seaton? It starts Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. And Tracy and her husband, James, this was their first visit to South Carolina in two years. Uh, They were traveling from Florida. And they had a family tradition to make pork chop suey. On Thanksgiving Eve, which I thought that was interesting. No idea what that is. I don't either. I'm mm-hmm. going to look it up. Happy hour began for the family around 4.30 around a backyard fire pit. And Tracy and James were the last to arrive around 7.30 p.m. Uh, they chatted and had some beers before sitting down for dinner around 8.30 p.m. And according to statements given to law enforcement by Tracy, Carolyn Santee, who was one of the homeowners, Uh, began to start in on her husband because her glass of wine was empty and she wanted him to fill it up. And instead, her husband served himself, and then he went to go sit alone at the bar on the opposite side of the kitchen. So after this, Tracy goes and she joins her uncle at the bar because she felt sorry for him, and she describes the situation as uncomfortable, and she was kind of trying to deflect with some humor. Interestingly, Carolyn Santee, the woman whose wine was not full, uh, describes the night as wonderful and beautiful. Uh, I guess people can have different perceptions. Exactly. Depends if you're in the middle of the squabble (laughs) or not. Right. So Tracy says that they all headed to bed around 11, 11.30 because the men had an early tea time the next morning. Okay. So they go to bed, and then this is when the event happens. Take it from them going to bed, Michael. As with any uh, story, when there's, you know, trouble, uh, a crime, uh, you're going to get different, uh, different tales, different stories from different people involved. And it's, you know, it's hard sometimes for investigators to sort out the truth. But within roughly seven minutes of going to bed, Tracy uh, told law enforcement that she heard screaming followed by a loud noise. She goes to the top of the stairs and she finds her husband propped up at the bottom of the stairs with his jaw shot away. That's her husband, uh, James. James' brother, Stephen, arrives, and he confronts the uncle, Richard, Richard Santee. Richard confesses the shootings, uh, James, his, uh, his nephew. And uh, luckily, Stephen, uh, the, the brother of the victim, is a firefighter and a paramedic, and he began rendering aid to his brother. Now, that was Tracy's version of a story. The people that were visiting, Tracy and James. And so, Seton, you have... Caroline Santee's version, she's the homeowner along with Richard. So we hear that Tracy hears screaming followed by a loud noise. That's what wakes her up. 
What What's Caroline's version? Caroline says that she woke up to her husband yelling her name from the kitchen. She said she did not hear any sort of gunshot, which I found odd, and we'll get into that a little bit more in a bit. But upon entering the kitchen, Caroline saw her nephew in a pool of blood, and he appeared to be attempting to get up. Her husband tells her to go call security and 911. So she goes back to the bedroom and she first calls security and then 911. And there was a minute and 42 second gap between calling security and 911. Hmm. That seems like a long time. And why would you call security first? I think you would want to call 911. Well, I could see the thinking being that security is going to get there quicker. I assume they're in the neighborhood. They're right there. Right. Yeah. They do live in a gated community. So maybe that's true. But I mean. I don't know the gap part, but I, I could see gone security right away. If you see your nephew in a pool of blood, though, you would think 911 is the first thing you should do. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, who knows how you react when you're pan- when you see somebody in a pool of blood. Well, that's true. Well, when Caroline arrives back, she states that her nephew is face down in the foyer. Remember when she left, he was in the kitchen and her husband is propped up by the stairs, and has been shot. This is weird, and I don't know if it's a misprint by the writers, because you just heard Tracy say that she sees her husband propped up by the stairs, and I hear Caroline saying that she sees her husband propped up by the stairs. They can't be both propped up by the stairs. And that just doesn't make sense, so I'm saying there had to be something written wrong because the nephew is definitely at some point face down in the foyer. We know that from the crime scene map that's in the paper. We also heard us mention that she called security first, which brings us to this, Michael, the security guard showing up at the house. What happens? Yeah, this story just keeps getting crazier and crazier. You've got different witnesses telling different stories. You've got different newspaper articles kind of contradicting each other. It's a crazy case of he said, she said. But when you sort out the facts and when you talk to law enforcement, it looks like the and we still don't know what caused the argument, whether it was in the bedroom, whether it was in the kitchen. But the two men argued and the uncle shot the nephew. Then. Put the gun down. Obviously, he appeared to be upset, so he laid the pistol down, and we'll talk about the type of pistol it was in in a minute. But he shot his nephew, then he laid the gun down, and apparently the nephew picked it up and shot the uncle with the same weapon. And about that time, the uh, security guard comes to the scene, so he doesn't know anything about what had transpired. He just looks through the window, and he sees a younger guy with the pistol shoot the older guy. So he barges in the front door and he shoots uh, the nephew, James, who had already been shot. And between his uncle shooting him and the security guard shooting him, the nephew was killed. And and so uh, do we get that right based on the evidence? It seems like at least from the wife's perspective, because she says the nephew is laying in a pool of blood. Because of that, you got to assume that the nephew shot first. There's a total of five shots involved in this thing. Right. Break those down for us, Matt. You've got the nephew, uh, James. He shot twice, stomach and jaw, with the one gun. And then you have the guy who lived there, Richard. He is shot uh, in the ribs and shoulder. Interestingly enough, I think that was in the Post and Courier. 
The Island Packet, Buford Gazette, says that he was shot in the leg. The, the, the article where he says he was shot in the ribs and shoulders from 2016, when you're referring to is right after the fact, right? Right. So, so they had more chance maybe to actually look at the records. So they just might have thought that he was shot in the leg and it was reported that way because... Nonetheless, it's confusing. The one gun is used twice for, for four shots. Two ribs and shoulder, the guy who lived there, and stomach and jaw for the nephew. And then the final shot is the, the fatal shot, we assume, from the security guard. And the, the Buford Gazette says that the first shot to James was birdshot, and the second shot, second and third shots were closer range and buckshot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're going to talk about Palmetto Pride Moonshine. The holiday season's coming up, so you can sip your way to the holiday season with Palmetto Distillery's collection of award-winning spirits. All right, guys, we got to try these all. 12 moonshine flavors, 6 sipping cream flavors, a 21% rye whiskey, and even ready-to-drink cocktails. Something for everyone on the list, so you can do this as a, a great present. I still say it's time for a Michael... Dwayne, Seton, Matt, Trip, But nevertheless, Michael, you're closer, so I expect uh, this sent up to us. You can share the love and spread some cheers this season. They're limited edition holiday samplers. Tell me more, Seton. Oh, I love it. They make a great gift. Uh, each set includes five top-selling Palmetto Moonshine flavors neatly bundled in a traditional candy cane case. Mm, a gift that looks as good as it tastes, yeah. Yep. Uh, search their online store locator to discover a liquor store near you or online at liquidblackjack.com. Michael, tell them about the limited time deal. I would be delighted to. And we're also going to post this on our Facebook page. Right. For a limited time, the Wicked South listeners can get a special 25% off online discount. Uh, from their online orders from palmettodistillery.com or liquidblackjack.com when you use this promo code, Holiday Cheers in all caps. Holiday Cheers. Use that promo code at checkout and get in the holiday spirit. Find your flavor and pass the jar. Palmettodistillery.com, liquidblackjack.com. Promo code Holiday Cheers. You can find it on the Wicked South Podcast Facebook page. So, what's the thoughts on that, Michael? Yeah, I did some research when I, um, and I guess it's the old country boy in me, but when I saw the type of gun that the uncle shot the nephew with, I was very curious. It's a Taurus Judge is the, the model of gun, but it's a pistol. It's a very large pistol. And, um, you know, of course, I did some research before we got on the air. And it's a pistol that can shoot 45 caliber pistol cartridges, and it can shoot 410 shotgun shells. And I, I have heard of pistols that, that shoot, uh, you know, rat shot and different things in a in a rifle casing. But this was kind of new to me. And uh, I believe it's used for 
home defense issues for like a snake gun or small game. But that combination load, birdshot, buckshot, tells me that this gun was loaded for home defense. If you've got somebody breaking in your house, you put the first round birdshot so maybe you can knock them down and discourage them from, you know, robbing your house without killing them. And then if that doesn't work, the second shot, buckshot, will, will, will kill them. And uh, so that's a typical home defense strategy, birdshot, then buckshot. Right. Um, and, uh, but that's a, a, sounds like a heck of a pistol. And I think I'm going to put that on my Christmas list. Um, yeah. The, uh, not for home defense, but for all kinds of varmints and, varmints. and snakes here in the low country. And birdshot, buckshot came up in the Murdoch trial a lot. And uh, I, I found uh, one of the snippets from that where, uh, it was tweeted that Buster testifies he never alternated buckshot and birdshot rounds in a shotgun. He doesn't know why someone would do that. Doesn't know anyone who did. Never seen a gun loaded in that fashion at Moselle. That was Buster Murdoch during the testimony. And that was important in the story of, of the murder of Paul, uh, Michael. What was uh, the context? Well, if you recall from the trial, Paul was shot first with buckshot in the chest, and then the fatal wound was birdshot to the to the brain and so it's kind of the opposite of this situation here at brace plantation when you shoot birdshot then buckshot that's a home defense uh technique when you see it the other way around there's no logical reason for any hunter or, or home defender to have buckshot then birdshot so that tells me in the murdoch case this was a either a gun that was loaded quickly, you just grab shells and you put them in, or a gun that was loaded in the dark where you can't see what's what, you're just putting shells in a gun. So that um, kind of tells us, at least, you know, informed speculation about how the gun was loaded and, and maybe why. And interestingly enough, in this case or these articles, it talks about the shots that ended up with the, the nephew that died, James, but doesn't mention what were the what was the caliber or was it a buckshot birdshot thing that hit Richard in the shoulder and ribs or one article legs? They just say he was shot. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd be interested to find out what happened there. So what does Richard say occurred? Richard gave varying accounts of what happened. Um, at one point, he tells investigators that someone burst in his bedroom. And he thought maybe it was a home invasion and grabbed his gun. But later in the same conversation, he tells investigators that James burst in the room. And then, but when they're bursting and this thing is happening in the bedroom, you don't hear uh, the wife. Yeah. Why is the wife, is she still, she said she didn't hear anything. I don't know. I mean, it just was confusing to me that the wife says she didn't hear any shots. She just heard her husband calling her name. and. She didn't hear someone bursting in her bedroom or, you know, any sort of commotion. Maybe they were separate bedrooms, I said. Maybe. They don't explain it. And 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 also, it's not described as uh, Tracy, James's wife, hearing gunshots either. She said noises. She heard a loud noise, but James's mother, Linda, says she did hear gunshots. She said three to four shots, right, 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 right. Yeah, she's the one, the only one in all the articles that mentions specifically hearing gunshots we could find 
you have to remember there's a lot of alcohol involved. So yes. um, <laughs> sometimes it takes a lot to wake you up. This well, is true. Happy hour, this they said, true. started at 4. The grandmother says happy hour, hour started at 4 to 4.30. So I right. think that they had all had some drinks at this point. Speaking of drinking, <laughs> after the scene, what happened then? They were... It seemed very chaotic in the reports that I read. Uh, Tracy and Stephen, the brother, were both described as intoxicated, and they were handcuffed and forcibly removed from the scene. I got the sense that maybe it was since he was a paramedic and a firefighter was maybe trying to continue to render aid. But it had to be more than that. They're not just going to handcuff you if you're trying to help the guy. There had to be more of a some sort of backlash against law enforcement to the point where they handcuff you and put you in the car. Reading a lot of these articles, what struck me was Tracy described her relationship with her uncle as and her husband very close and that she had never seen them argued. Um, and she theorizes that her husband may have walked into a fight between the Santis. So she's saying that the fight was not would not have started between the uncle and the now dead husband. Right. They had a very close relationship and she hadn't... Can't imagine it. She just couldn't imagine it. So if she walks in on a fight between the Santees, what does he... Still, that doesn't really explain why the husband would... Like the guy who owned the place would shoot the nephew. And we hear reports that there was some tension between the husband and the wife with this wine situation earlier in the evening. But still, if they're fighting, it doesn't explain why he would turn on his nephew and shoot him. It does not make any sense to me. And let's talk about what James's mother says. Linda Glad doesn't buy Richard's version, the only real eyewitness to the whole thing that's living. Uh, she tells investigators that Richard had been acting strangely for some time. And she had received a call from her sister in July in which she said that her husband had hit her during an argument about his drinking. Richard all spent a month at their mountain home in Cashiers, North Carolina. I think he was only supposed to stay a week, but he spent a month. Uh, so she believed the couple was having marital difficulties. Uh, and this family had some money because Cashiers, North Carolina, is equally is kind of a fancy place too. Oh, yeah. And I looked up what he did. He was a retired, uh, Richard was a retired podiatrist. I guess there's a lot of money in that. Sure. So we're trying to set the scene here and try to figure out what happened because. How'd the gun even come out? We don't know if the fight was in the kitchen or the bedroom. And why did he end up, if, if he gets along with the nephew, why does he end up shooting him? Even if the the wife and husband are in a fight and the nephew walks in on it, why would the husband turn and shoot him? Michael, you, you've put together an interesting theory on this or speculation. Yeah, and, and you know, it's just uh, speculation, but it's kind of based on uh, my intimate knowledge of, of alcohol and its impact on, on uh, judgment and, and, and temper and, you know, my knowledge of human nature, I guess. But there's a lot of confusion going on from one newspaper report to the other. We can't really tell what started it, who shot who, where and how. And it's one of those very confusing cases. It's clear that there was an argument in the bedroom, according to some reports, and then it spilled over into the kitchen. The uncle and his wife had already been arguing about the filling up the wine glass. And the mother, Jane, the victim's mother, Linda Glad, says that in a previous argument, he had hit her. They had an argument about drinking and, and he had hit his wife. So it's not inconceivable that 
if that bedroom is close to the kitchen or the downstairs living area, if he's in there fighting his, uh, with his wife or he's hitting on her or um, who knows, maybe he even had a gun waving the gun around at his wife or whatever. The nephew goes in and says, hey, man, what are you doing? You can't be hitting on her. Calm down. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen many a, a drunken person in my family. Uh, you know, I could see the possible reaction. Uh, you're not going to tell me what to do in my damn house. You know, I'll kill you, you son of a. And uh, so, yeah, it's possible that that kind of thing spilled over to the kitchen and escalated. And um, when you've got a bunch of drunk people, anything is possible. Well, th- there was another thing, though, that I found interesting. There was an article that I saw from 2015 talking about the delay in this case. And in this article, uh, they reference uh, seeking some medical records from the U.S. Navy. Now, I believe that James was a former veteran, so I don't know if there may be some sort of uh, PTSD. I mean, or maybe that was, I don't know. Why they would even ask for that, right? Why would they would ask for those records? Because the original charge was attempted murder, uh, and if the, if the speculation that we're making here is true, and he gets mad and he shoots him, then that's got to be a crime. And no one was, had a crime or was convicted of a crime uh, or even gotten to the point with a trial or anything. But he was charged. Law enforcement didn't buy the story for some reason or another. But they it didn't, didn't go any further, though, than the charging. He was out on $10,000 bond. It was a $100,000 bond. He paid $10,000. He was out. It never went forward. There was some civil litigation between, I believe it was between Bray's and the family. I don't know. But there was also another article. Last article I saw was from the Island Packet, and they had interviewed Linda, the mother, and she was hoping to get some sort of resolution, said it's, it's, it's hard to hate people when they're your family members. But in this article from 2015, she is no longer, the mother is no longer speaking to her sister or her son or daughter-in-law who is still living. Hmm. You have to assume that law enforcement didn't have enough to chase down a, a, an indictment or get him into the front of the courtroom or any, or get a plea deal or anything. This fell under Duffy Stone's realm. And let Michael remind us who Duffy Stone was in, in a minute. But some of the delays had to go with switching of prosecutors one to another. And they had this backlog of 2,000 cases. So maybe they just didn't feel like it was a strong enough case to, to prosecute. Or they could say they wrestled for the gun and then there's nobody, they, they can't prove it was anything but wrestling for the gun. And then you couldn't say attempt to murder, just an accidental shooting. That's the only thing I could think of. But they, I, I, it's because it's, it's crazy how it just disappeared. Yeah, it just really, it really just didn't go forward. Duffy Stone, he kind of ties into uh, the Murdoch world too. Michael, remind people about Duffy Stone. Duffy, this is 2010, 2015. So Duffy would have been an assistant uh, solicitor under Randolph Murdoch III. Randolph III was um, solicitor of the 14th Circuit, which includes Beaufort County, until I do believe um, 2006, if I'm not mistaken, was when uh, Randolph retired. So Duffy was his assistant, and then uh, some say he was kind of handpicked by Randolph uh, III to to um, run for election and take his place. So Duffy is now our 14th Circuit solicitor. And when I see this, and, and I think you touched on it earlier, you've got a case where only two people really know what happened, and yep. one of them's dead, so he can't tell his story. So you've got a shooter that says, okay, he's telling different stories. He barged into my bedroom. There was a scuffle for the gun. 
And you've also got to look at the fact that you've got a defendant here with a lot of money to to live in, in this wonderful uh, place and have this kind of, of wealth. I think uh, people like this uh, tend to get better legal representation and better treatment, uh, gentleman's treatment, if you will. I think if uh, if Michael DeWitt would have killed his nephew at a, a DeWitt family Thanksgiving, I think there would be a criminal trial. <laughs> This would have gone further, at least, right? This seems like it just went boom, gone. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. So we are not casting any kind of guilt verdict toward any of the people involved in this. We're just telling you how uh, we've we read the various articles and how it played out as far as we can tell. And Seton, good job digging this up. People, keep your alcohol in check this holiday season. We don't want to hear right. any of our listeners having a similar situation. Alcohol and guns, not a good combination. Um, Michael, once again, thank our sponsors. I'd be happy to. We, of course, we love uh, Dr. Kenny Kinsey. He was our first uh, sponsor and uh, one of our listeners. And Palmetto Pride Distillery, we have heard from them earlier in the episode, and they were the first legal moonshine distillery in South Carolina. We, we talked about that in the last episode. And then, of course, right here in uh, Beaufort County, Rotten Little Bastard Distillery. I got an email from them this morning. They are now carrying uh, pint-sized bottles. You can get their King Tide Vodka, Spanish Moss Gin, any of their um, craft distillations, I guess is a good (laughs) word, in small bottles as well as big bottles. So they're perfect for stuffing stockings and for gifts. And I'm not mistaken, if you order $50 or more, according to their email, you can get uh, $5 off your order. Uh, use the online code shops small in all caps shops s h o p s small s m a l l one word and you can save five dollars on your online order very nice uh look forward to seeing a uh, michael dewitt's book the fall of the house of murdoch dropping soon you can read uh, his other book the wicked hampton county you can also join seton and i in impact of influence and you can find this podcast on the Wicked South Podcast Facebook page. Please uh, rate and share and comment and subscribe and all that good stuff. We'll talk soon, friend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.